Hey everyone, welcome to the half of this podcast, aka Hot, and it's me, Joey, and today, well, let me say this first, I apologize in advance if my voice begins to sound raspy and maybe some mouth noises here and there. I'll do my best to minimize it and be actively aware of it because I drank a buttload of coffee earlier. I'm still drinking it, I'm still finishing up, and coffee, if you don't know, fun fact, makes your mouth dry it dehydrates you so yeah i <laughs> stupid move on my part before recording anyways let's get into today's episode and that's going to be about something sensitive within at least more so within the athletic community but definitely for those who are doing fitness and health i'm not going to say these are people who are like professionals these are just people who are getting into fitness and health or maybe definitely are into fitness and health as a you know lifestyle or more so even like definitely a professional level. So what I'm talking about pretty much is some of the darker side of things that athletes, those who are into fitness and health, don't really express to the public all too much. And I also want to talk about why it's not really expressed all too much, but definitely we're talking about body image and relationship with food. And that's just two of many things that is involved and that is lurking within the dark side of the, I would say just in general, the health and fitness industry or this kind of bubble. There's a lot of things, but food and image is definitely one of the biggies here. It's something I've more or less had a lot of trouble with and I've experienced some of the adversities that are involved in those two things. And that's what I want to talk about today. And one of the things that got me into this or made me start to think about this more so was that I listened to someone else's podcast and they were talking about, or let me say this, they had a ex D1 athlete or swimmer. She was pretty much a, an athlete, uh, I think a competitive swimmer back in the day. And it was before she was in college. So yeah, anyway, like she was a competitive swimmer, um, you know, before she was entering college and she had a really bad relationship with food and there was like other body image issues that she was experiencing. But one of the things that they said, which I, and they're totally valid for saying it where I'm not criticizing them or I'm not trying to at least, but one of the things that they said was that food or diets such as the let's say keto diet where you're eliminating in a sense carbs or just well realistically it's just a very 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 low intake of carbohydrates a higher intake of fats but good fats right we're not just talking about any kind of fats here good fats and then a moderate intake of protein because there's something called gluconeogenesis that if you consume too much protein the amino acids from the protein are precursors to make glucose. And then, yeah, it's that's gluconeogenesis. You're pretty much making glucose out of protein. That's why you want to take a moderate amount of protein when you're on a keto diet. By the way, fun fact. Anyways, going back to it, the keto diet is an elimination diet in a sense, right? Because you're pretty much eliminating carbs. And what they talked about, right, when they were talking about the relationship they had with food as an athlete, 
was that elimination diets are not good, and that what people should do is focus on intuitive eating. So that's not bad. That's not wrong at all. One hundred percent. That's I wholeheartedly believe in that. People should focus on intuitive eating because just depending on how you feel when you're consuming something, like it could be different types of carbs or like sources, right? Something let's say like oatmeal versus cereal, and then let's say proteins, let's say like pork, chicken, beef, maybe even like just regular beef at Walmart or the grocery store versus like grass-fed whole finished beef. I think that's the proper way to say it. <laughs> maybe not, but I think you get what I'm trying to say with that. Anyways. It's good to be intuitive about your eating, mainly how you feel, right? And you can't just do this for like a week. I mean, maybe a week is enough for certain things when you're changing your diet and eating certain foods, but give it like a month. Just do like really test it out because when you're adapting to this new diet or these new foods that you're consuming, maybe your gut will be like, "Oh, what's going on?" Like it's it's going to react to it differently, and then that different reaction. You personally are going to experience that as maybe something bad because it's different. Give it a few weeks, right, just to test it out. And if anything, definitely, like, let me say this disclaimer: I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert in any shape or form. Go to your doctor. Go to a nutritionist. You can do your research, but go to a nutritionist. Go to a doctor to really hone down on pretty much like what you need to eat. You know the type of micronutrients and the macronutrients as well. Get your blood work done, and just consult with someone who is a health professional in this realm of nutrition. Now that's out of the way, <laughs> I don't really think you should 100% depend on intuitive eating. Or just here's what I'm trying to say with that: you should definitely try out other diets. Maybe not some of the crazier ones like the carnivore diet. And I'm not saying that's entirely bad because. A lot of people received benefits from the carnivore diet, like with autoimmune diseases. I mean, it's that's actually one of the more prevalent benefits from consuming just meat. And again, we're talking about good quality sources, right? We're not just talking about junk you get from the store. This is just quality stuff in general, right? No growth hormones injected into the cows. They're happy cows, right? Just grass-fed. Not grain-fed because that is actually there is a difference between grass and grain-fed. Even within, I was gonna say chickens, but I don't think they no they don't eat grass. <laughs> but you, again, you get what I'm trying to say with that. So you should definitely try out some diets, and of course, you know, with the, after consulting with your doctor and and some health professional in this realm, like a nutritionist. But while trying out these newer diets, you should also just see how you feel, right? Again, use that intuitive eating. But to say that elimination diets are 100% bad because you're eliminating carbs, for example, with keto diet,、uh, man, I I cringe so hard at that because in my perspective and in my opinion, of course, that is a ignorant statement. A keto diet is not bad. There, first of all, if you want to talk about the、uh, research and the science behind it, there's a lot of it done on it. A lot of experts on the keto diet, right? We're, and we're not talking about some of the crazier ones like carnivore diet, right? That I think there's some research going on there, and there's some interest within the research community. But I know for sure, for example, keto diet—it's not a bad diet. 
Yes, maybe you shouldn't do it all the time, depending on your your genetic makeup and just how your physiology is built. But it's not bad. Try it, and use intuitive eating to see if keto diet works out for you. But you can't just say keto diet in general is bad, so you shouldn't try it ever. The same applies to any other sort of elimination diet or any different diets that is seemingly. That deviates away from what you would think is normal for a diet, like oh, eat a plenty of grains, leafy green vegetables, and meat. No, like you gotta realize there's new science, cutting edge science and research being done that can really tell you the specifics regarding not just different kind of diets, but also you know if you're on a standard diet or a keto diet or a whatever diet, like a vegetarian diet. You are also needing to consume different sorts of vegetables, different sorts of sources, for, you know, for these grains, for these vegetables, for these meats. There's so much complex variables that goes into diets, but nonetheless, intuitive eating is going to be the major component that can tell you how you feel about a certain diet. So again, you can't just say flat out. That any other diet, where let's say it's an elimination diet, where it's seemingly you know crazy, you can't just say flat out that it's bad for you. You can't. That's just you're. It, it sounds logical, right? Oh, elimination diet. You're you're eliminating carbs. That's not good for you. It sounds logical. I get that, but come on, like it's you can't just make ignorant statements like that. So that's why I want to talk about food relationships and body image. With those who are within the health and fitness bubble, and I know that was a long <laughs> intro, but I really just wanted to get that off my chest because I can't, I can't really stand when people are putting out, and I'm not just saying like they're sharing it with their friends, like you know whatever their opinion is. I can't really stand when people put out ignorant, false information without doing their homework first. And if I ever catch myself doing that, if you ever catch me doing that, call me out for it, and I will correct my mistakes. I've done that before. I've definitely done that before with one episode at least. We don't have to get into it, but I deleted that episode, re-redid it. So did I? Was that a weird way to say it? Re? I said re-redid it. <laughs> I redid it. Well, what I say it twice. I redid that episode. It was a morning tea episode. That's the that's the most I'll say about that. And I was、uh, way happier. That's another weird way to say it. I, I was just happier nonetheless. Sorry, I'm, I'm jumbling up my just the whole Eng- English language today. But yes, I was just a lot happier regarding that newer episode or that re-recording, re-recording I did. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop it there. I'm getting jumbled up with vocab and all the suffix,、uh, suffixes. I, uh, see, I'm already mix- mixing, messing that up. Let's stop. Let's just move on. Now, body image, relationship with foods. As an athlete myself, as someone who is within this fitness bubble, it's a very serious thing, very sensitive, and not a lot of people are comfortable talking about that. And I think one of the biggest reasons is the image. So, and is I will say this: it's not bad if they don't share. It's not bad. They're humans too. I mean, they have their own insecurities, their own adversities, their own demons in their head. 
we all do. So it's very understandable, right? You don't need to have a professional athlete always spilling, you know, tea on themselves, like, you know, whatever eating disorder they had during training season or, or any kind of mental health illnesses. It's not necessary for them to do that, but it really does help out a lot if they do do that, because we can feel related to them. And if we know that, in a sense, it's like this. Okay, let me go back to the main topic because what I was about to say ties into that. And that's about image. As an athlete, and I'm speaking from the athlete perspective now, you want to keep up this image that you are this hardworking athlete. You are someone who is disciplined, who is diligent, who is focused on the goal of these races and whatever goal you have for your respective sport. We just want to keep up this image. And it's not bad, right? We want to look good. We want to be the athlete that we want to be, right, within our own mind. Like who who we think we should be as an athlete. And in order to not break that, we can't be vulnerable, at least seemingly, right? Because we we don't want to break the image of who we are as an athlete. And this can be due to so many reasons, such as imposter syndrome, or even just being fearful of the potential criticism and the lashing back of you being vulnerable, which is a totally valid fear. Like if you're a professional athlete, let's say you're an Olympic gold medalist in whatever event that you do, whatever sport that you play, despite having all of these achievements and reaching this position that we're in, right, as being an Olympic gold medalist, you're still a human and that you're still concerned and you definitely just in general don't want to hear any sort of like harsh criticisms or any kind of lashback for i don't know maybe you cracked a dick joke i mean it's that's something harmless maybe not maybe something else it's you're so fearful that because now you're this public figure that you're going to be maybe in a sense canceled right with this whole cancel culture nowadays you don't want that happen. And nonetheless, you just don't want to hear the bad crap people say about you. Oh, you're not that fast. Oh, you're probably just on steroids. And then maybe once or twice after reading those kind of comments or hearing about those things, you can shrug it off. Because you have that disciplined mindset of an athlete. You're that great of a person. You have that strong mental fortitude. But sometimes it builds up over time. And sometimes all it takes is for that one person, that one troll on the internet, to lay down the seed and then other people who are similar to that troll will start planting their seeds or planting or watering that seed right that the original troll planted and then that negative comment will start to bloom and then become more prevalent in your mind and then you'll start may hopefully not being affected by that comment and what can happen from there on is i mean it's always up to the individual right it's always different for each person and I believe one of the more common coping mechanisms in the face of these sort of comments, these negative remarks, these criticisms. I mean, it can be even harsh criticisms from a coach, a teammate, or someone within your own field of the of your, of your sport, maybe on the you know, field literally. You are just going to wallow in that comment, that criticism, and you are going to do your best to show the other person or even just show the world in general that you're not this person but but what do you have to show there's no one really fighting against you right now 
I mean, the people who are maybe throwing these harsh criticisms and negative remarks at you, I mean, yeah, maybe it seems like they're fighting against you, but they're not. I mean, they're just trolls. They don't know who you are. They don't know the kind of training that you've gone through. They don't experience that. I mean, like maybe they've, they're just on their couch all day doing nothing. And they're just making these shitty posts that just criticizes you, that attacks you. But really, it's, it's just a grain of sand. It's just a grain of sand. But it's so hard to believe that. And instead, you would just, again, wallow in that comment, that criticism. And then you're going to do whatever you can to really show that you're not that criticism, that you're not this negative comment that was made towards you. You're going to like prove it wrong, pretty much. And that can be very unhealthy, right? Because when you're wanting to become the best uh, from a negative approach, right? Let's say, let's say someone told me like, Joey, you're not a fast runner. You're not a fast triathlete. But let's say they did it in a more negative, bullying way. I'm going to think, okay, F you, you're wrong. I am a fast person. I work hard, blah, 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 blah. But then when I go back home, I'll be like, oh, like, I don't like that comment. And maybe other people will think about that too. So I'm going to go train hard. And then when I have that kind of mindset, right, that mindset to become better, but from more of a negative approach, not the right approach, I'm going to try train harder. I can lead to injury. I can neglect some more important aspects of my training, like recovery and even kind of like take like, let's say on those like easy slow days where I'm like running slow at a nice pace. But instead, let's say that day, I'm like, okay, in order to get better, I'm just going to pick up the pace. I'm going to go at my threshold pace. It's, it's not good. Right. And then maybe this could lead into food relationship problems. Like, you know, in order to become a leaner, meaner machine, I'm going to just cut out all of my simple pleasures. Let's say it's cereal. Let's say it's just bread. Let's say I just say, I'm just going to go with brown rice every day or white rice, broccoli and some other leafy greens and chicken breast. I won't do anything else. Even if I crave something, I'll suppress it as much as I can. And I'll just eat this broccoli, vegetable, rice combination. That's it. That's it. That's so poor. Right? Because that makes you not enjoy food anymore. And that just really damages your relationship with food. So I hope you get what I'm trying to say with that. The image you have of yourself as an athlete, you want to keep up this image, can sometimes be a double-edged sword. And now I'm let me say this too. I'm not saying that if you have this really strong image of yourself as an athlete, like you know who you are, you're the best, or you're going to be the best. That's not bad. But you have to keep yourself in check when people do throw out those harsh comments, when people do or when there are times where that image does break, whether it's due to losing a race, a match, a game, you have to keep yourself in check. Don't let that get to you. Just know that you have to be better, but do it from a more positive perspective, right? You want to be better. You want to do this for yourself. And in order to be better, I have to be a better athlete holistically. Holistically, that's the main thing, not just with speed and power and endurance. There's so many other, let's say, support pillars that can hold that up, like recovery. <laughs> recovery is so important. I've learned that the hard way. Like I had this, I think this sciatic nerve or what's it called? Yeah, sciatic nerve pinch or that's what I think I have on my right hip flexor or my right hip nonetheless. Oh, it's been bothering me for the longest time. Still does. 
but it's becoming better when I'm focusing on my mobility more so these days. And that has helped me a lot just with this, the yoga I'm doing a little bit now, the mobility work I'm trying to do every day. It's great stuff. And it's something I, every athlete or anyone should do just to give your muscles some love. Just give them love, your tendons, your joints, the muscles, give them all some love through mobility work and yoga <laughs> and strength training, of course, right? To strengthen up those, uh, those parts. But yeah, I mean, the image is such a, can be a double-edged sword. And like I said, it can also be a good thing. Not, it, it doesn't have to be a double-edged sword, but it can be. That's what I'm trying to say with that. Overall, when we're being vulnerable, that can really break the image that we're trying to build up as an athlete. I mean, if you don't relate to that, one way you can relate to this, something that's maybe somewhat parallel is you as a student, right? If you received an F in your class or if you failed a test, you don't want to tell that to your friends because you're trying to, not in a bad way, but you're just wanting to maintain a good academic image of yourself that you're you're a good student, right? You are a good student. Maybe back in high school, you were the 4.0 GPA person, but now in college, you're just like struggling a lot. And you don't want to let your friends and family know about that. You're trying to upkeep this image, for example. If you become vulnerable, that can break the image you see of yourself as this student, this stellar student that you're trying to become. But yeah, that's something I think that's analogous, uh, at least somewhat parallel. But of course, they're they're both in their own respective worlds. They're both different, but I think they deal with the same situations nonetheless. And I believe the same just definitely applies to those who are not athletes or professional athletes, to say the least. When, you know, for those who are just in the fitness and health world or in this bubble, this lifestyle. Because personally for me, I like to believe that I can speak from both the athletic and personal perspectives. You know, from athletic being the being an athlete, doing races and all that. And then from the personal side, this being a lifestyle, a hobby, or just just something that I like to dabble in nonetheless. I don't want to be appearing as, as some meek person. Someone who just fails and just kind of... Well, I, earlier I said dabble which is not the right way to say it. I just, I want to be, I want to be the person who is into fitness, who is that athlete, who is someone who is passionate about the fitness and health of just that whole bubble, this whole community, not someone who just dabbles in it, right? So I mean, moving on from that, we're talking about body image and our relationship with food from the perspective of someone who does fitness and health, whether that be in athletics or within that personal life. For me personally, the body image issue, it's something that I've just always struggled with, at least dating back to middle school. I, mean, I don't remember anything like me having insecurities about my body image in elementary school. It's, I feel like that's a weird thing to say. It's very unnatural. And I do know there are cases out there where children like, uh, yeah, uh, emphasizing the word children, child, I was going to say child, children, nonetheless, they are concerned about this because I think mainly due to their environment, like their parents trying to push them into beauty pageants or trying to look very I don't know, beautiful, handsome. I, I, it's a wrong way to say it, but I guess like just very good looking nonetheless as a, as a kid, but that's wrong. I mean, just, it, I feel that's not really the point, right? A point that you should be pushing or just focusing on within your childhood years but nonetheless i feel like maybe in that middle school years it's that's when things start to uh, become more prevalent and 
coming to the forefront of your mind, like with body insecurities. For me, it was always mainly about my weight issues. I was just a chubby kid. I was a like chubby looking Asian kid to say the least. I was not fit whatsoever. I mean, I don't think I was. Let me take that back. I did play a lot of sports, you know, growing up, even as a kid. I did little league baseball. I did basketball. I did soccer, and I, I was pretty fit, I would say. But I, physically looking, I was not like I did not have the athletic body. <laughs> I was not, and I think that was mainly attributing to my diet. No, I won't say that. I would attribute to just me lacking the knowledge of how to lose body fat. Right, because there's a bunch of variables in there. Diets, you know, one of the, I would say one of the bigger problems there. I was not aware of what to do with this body fat I was carrying around, or just to nonetheless look better physically, and that made me very self-conscious because the friends I had, they were nonetheless skinnier than me, or not skinnier, slimmer than me, and they did have more of a less of an athletic-looking body. They just always got the girls. They were the cool people. I mean, I already kind of talked about them back in the imposter syndrome episode. They were just like the the guys that I wanted to become. <laughs> that was a weird way to say it. Become. I just wanted to be like them, and I knew I couldn't be them. But I would try nonetheless to do whatever I can to make up for that. Whether it's due to me being the Asian kid, you know, upping that image. Maybe being just the、um, I don't know, just whatever I can do to become someone noticeable, except for within the physical good-looking realm, because I knew that wasn't happening for me, no matter how much I wanted that. But that's when my body insecurities began to become more prevalent in my life. And then in high school, I joined the track and cross country. Sorry, <laughs> I put those two together. Sorry, I joined the cross country and the track and field team because I only wanted to just lose fat, and I knew at the time cardio was something that would help with that. So I did them nonetheless, and I did not see progress in myself. But let me say this: when I look back in my yearbooks, I noticed like, whoa, like I wasn't as chunky as I perceived myself to be at the time in high school. Like I, I just always thought I was like, oh, I'm so like. Fat. I'm so chubby, and I'm doing all this cross country training, all these track and field practices, and I'm doing them all, and I'm trying my best, and I'm even trying to be more conscious of what I eat at home, and I'm also going to our school gym to put on some muscle because I knew that, or I learned that you can't just do cardio if you want to look leaner and <laughs> meaner. You want to also do some weight training as well, but nonetheless, I I just never saw the progress. I never felt it. Maybe I mean I don't know. Yeah, I just never felt or nor saw the progress. But when I look back on my yearbooks, I noticed like, oh wait, actually, you know, I'm noticing a, a defined jawline like during my sophomore or junior year of high school. Like what the like I was actually not that bad looking as I thought I was, but because I was just so focused and wholeheartedly believed that. I was just going to be this chubby kid, and I was just so、uh, defeated by that. Even if I was trying to defeat that thought, I felt like I just could never escape from it. Which you know、uh, contributed to me overlooking the progress that I actually made. And this also then goes into sports itself, where I thought I'm not a real athlete because I don't have this athletic body. I don't. 
And now when I went into college, that was when things start to get worse because I carried these insecurities into college. And because now I have all this liberty because I'm not in my Asian household anymore, I have all this liberty to eat whatever I want, do whatever I want for the most part, right? I have, I'm pretty much in control of my own schedule, even though the only thing I wasn't in control of was my class. Technically you are in control of it, but you get what I'm trying to say. You have to go attend classes, you know, same thing for me. So pretty much everything outside of them, I was in control of and able to do whatever I wanted to do. And I just started this crusade of defeating my body fat. I was going all out on eating healthy and I wasn't becoming, I don't want to say like unhealthy about this. Like I wasn't doing this in an unhealthy manner. I was eating a lot of vegetables, lean meats, um, not so many carbs because I think the diet I was on at the time was pretty much this low carb, low fat diet. And I, with my limited knowledge at the time, just always thought that fat and carbs were the enemies for the most part. And that's not the case, right? As we learn with the keto diet, especially fat is not the enemy, nor is carbs. And it depends on, let me say this. It depends on what you do with the diet, right? It depends on what the diet is and what kind of foods you are eating. But we don't really have to go into the nuances with that for now. But going back to that, when I was uh, having liberty of what I can eat, I just went all out on eating the veggies, the, the lean meats, never touching anything all too fatty or carb heavy. And I wasn't really complaining all too much, but the thing that I was struggling with was my cravings. And no matter how much I told myself, oh, give it time. This is just a period to acclimate to this new diet that I'm on. And I know that on some days I'll do these refeed days where I'll just let myself eat something relatively fatty or maybe carb heavy. But honestly, I never did that. If I did eat anything carb or fat heavy, I would feel so guilty and I would feel like all the progress I made, all the effort that I went, I put into this would be gone. And that was bad. That was really bad. And that made my relationship with food incredibly unhealthy because now I became fearful of consuming carbs and, and like really fatty foods. It was really bad. And I just struggled a lot because in trying to not eat those kind of foods, the cravings were just more intense. And I just wanted to eat like a donut, cereal, like even like healthy cereal, like Chex Mix. No, is that a cereal? It's like the Chex cereal, even Honey Nut Cheerios or whatever, like a, a couple pieces of like wheat toast. I just was so fearful of eating that. And so truly I was carbophobic and fat, fatophobic, whatever, if, if there's a term for that. I know carbophobic is, is something more of a term, but I don't know what it could be for fats. But I was just scared of those two macronutrients and I became obsessed with just the numbers at the time too. Just how many carbs am I eating? Oh, am I going over like 20 grams of carbs today? Oh shoot, um, I need to go run and uh, train harder to in order to like burn it off. I was so scared of that. I was so particular in how many carbs I ate in that day, how many fats, like how much I allowed myself to. It wasn't always zero. It was just 
there was a limit to how much I would take, but it was such a low number. Like, if you don't know, in my opinion, like 10 to 20 grams of carbs, like macronutrients, is very low. I mean, like each calorie, for example, per gram of uh, of carbohydrates is four calories. Four calories per gram of carbs. And I believe it's nine calories per gram of fat. So if I have like, let's say 10 grams of each, that would be 40 and 90 calories. That's not a lot. Like, what the hell am I eating? I for, I mean, honestly, I think I was in such a deep caloric deficit, but I just never knew that. And I, I, But even if I did know that, I would want to continue that because I wanted to, again, lose the body fat so that, you know, when I was doing the triathlon training and I was so focused on just physically looking better, I wanted to lose the body fat. That was the main goal. That was the mission. That was the crusade of just losing all this body fat that I always carried around and felt like I, I just always had even though i made progress in high school i just felt like it never changed and now this body image issue one it pushed me so hard in my training to the point where i just didn't enjoy them anymore like i didn't like to go to the gym anymore i didn't like to go running cycling swimming it was just such a chore at that point like i literally forgot like why am i doing this again like there would be times where i'm like do i really want to go to the pool right now like it's six in the morning it's cold like do i really want to go like why am i doing this like body fat stuff like i question like i don't really care anymore like i just it's so uncomfortable now because i didn't have a goal if i had like a legit goal like oh i want to get faster right there's this race coming up and i want to get faster and i'm really passionate about that i'll push myself to go to the pool six in the morning five in the morning when it's super duper cold outside but again with this crusade it just wasn't a passionate enough goal i mean it was an unhealthy goal and to top it all off, I would just always compare myself to everyone with like the body types and all that. Like I felt incredibly intimidated when I went to the gym for the most part, because that's where you see all the, not, not the meatheads, but well, yeah, the meatheads, but also other people who have just nice looking bodies. Like I would look at both the women and men because of how defined their muscles were, how good looking physically they were just with how slim they were and how shredded <laughs> to say that i guess for lack of a better term how shredded they were uh in their physique i was just so envious i'm like oh, this is what i want and later on i learned that that wasn't what i wanted but i was just so delusioned that this is the body top i want and i that i need and so that just made me defeated whenever i went to the gym because Whenever I, let's say, worked out for two months along with my triathlon training, if I didn't see progress, I'd be like, nothing's happening. I don't see any improvement. I don't see any real significant changes. Like, what's the point of this? Again, it's kind of like that swimming pool example, which happens to me a lot, uh, at least back then in the beginning, the former years of my undergraduate career. I just questioned, like, why am I doing this again? Like, is there really any point to this? So I wasn't really passionate about weightlifting or becoming shredded, I didn't know what to do anymore. And that oftentimes made me give up on sports and fitness overall. So there would be these periods, these long periods of that could span for close to three quarters of a year, which would be eight months. Yeah, I don't know why I say three quarters, where I would just not do any sort of fitness stuff. It was really bad. I felt really depressed. And I just focused on my uh, academic career, just studying and doing whatever I can to boost the, my you know, resumes and my applications for graduate schools later on. And this was my primary coping mechanism 
in order to pretty much escape from the idea of me not having the body type that I think I want and that everyone else has these amazing bodies, these amazing physiques, yet I'm unable to attain that. So I would just stop and actively ignore it all. Just really turn a blind eye to fitness and exercise, essentially. Not nutrition, because that's a different story. So that I can just not think about it. Because I just felt shitty when I think about it. And I later learned that when I do have a passionate goal that I want to strive for, which in my case was to become faster in running, swimming, cycling, and to overall become a better athlete, a better triathlete. And that was just something I focused on. I learned that, oh, it's not really the physique that I want. It's actually the performance. And so what do I need to do in order to train on that performance to become better? Oh, I need to do, you know, more of this kind of workout for runs, this kind of workout for swims, and this kind of workout for cycling. And then to strengthen my muscles, just to show some love, do a lot of mobility and strength workouts. And I wasn't focused on, you know, getting that physique anymore. When I focused on the performance side of things, because that was what I truly wanted, not the physique. Again, I sound like I'm repeating myself, but I just really want to make a point. I was able to not only just motivated to do the workouts in my training sessions, but to also just become more disciplined. Because when there were those times where I just wanted to not go to the swimming pool at six in the morning because it's freaking cold in the winter quarter, I just knew that. But I want to get faster. In the pool, I know this section of a triathlon is something that I'm not strong in, so I need to get faster. I need to get stronger. And hey, if I'm not really feeling energized today, I don't have to go all out at the pool today. I can just put on some paddles or just work on my technique. Just do some slow, steady-paced swimming. I don't have to go all out. And that's the other thing: you can't just think that you have to push yourself constantly in order to. Attain this image of what you think is an athlete, or what you want to do, in or, or what you want to look like when you lose all this body fat. You can't. You gotta focus on the real stuff that you truly are passionate about, that excludes all the surface value nonsense, like with body image. I mean, it's not total crap to think about or to attain, but in my eyes, it was something that I believe that I would attain along the way of this. Path that I then started on of just me becoming a better athlete, performance-wise, that did come true. I, I mean, I don't have six-pack abs. <laughs> I mean, I do have an outline, but it's not—it's not really there. I'm not super ripped, but I do now realize and see I do have an athletic body. I am pretty proud of my body, mainly because of the athletic capabilities that I now have. But despite having this new shift in focus. Right shift in my path in regards to athletics and fitness of focusing on the performance side of things because that's what I truly wanted to do and am passionate about. It didn't really fix my relationship with food, and that was one of the more prevalent issues that I experienced, regardless of whatever situation I'm facing as an athlete and as a、uh, I guess fitness advocate. <laughs> I don't know what to call myself,、uh, enthusiast. And that was I was bulimic. If you don't know what bulimia is, it is pretty much where you binge eat and then purge it. And, and that's to put it nicely, right? I could use、uh, a little bit of harsher words, but yeah, I was bulimic. And at the time, this、uh, by the way, and to give you some 
context, this was happening during my sophomore year of college, where I was really starting to enter these cycles of not training and not doing anything fitness related, because when I did nothing to lose body fat or to train nonetheless, I was incredibly fearful of losing the athletic capabilities and the amount of body fat that I've already lost. And because I didn't want to lose all that effort that I put into all those years, because that's how I was thinking on that level, which is incredibly unreasonable for me to think that if I were to, let's say, not train, let's say just if I didn't train and do anything fitness related for one month, I don't really believe that would make me lose all of my athletic capabilities and progress that I made over the years. Definitely not. I mean, you'll definitely lose a large portion or just a a hefty portion, right, of that. But you can get back on the wagon and then regain it. And then maybe you'll become stronger. I mean, who knows? But I was just so scared of losing everything that I strived for. So in order to maintain this, which was not helpful at all. I don't know why. I mean, logically speaking, it made sense to me. It was illogical reasoning, right? It wasn't logical. It just seemed logical to me. And that was for me to really be strict with my nutrition. If I'm able to keep up with the protein intake, the just the pretty much eliminating carbs and other fatty stuff, I'll be able to maintain my my physique my athletic capabilities to an extent, or at least significantly slow down the progress of regressing back from all the efforts I made and all the progress I made, right? Again, it's an illogical way to think about that. As a result, I became bulimic. It really was hard for me to open up about that. Right now, strangely enough, I feel very comfortable saying that and i attribute that to the position and the place in life that i am in now where i am accepting of my faults of the mistakes and the experiences that i've encountered in the past and i am now willing and able to move forward to become a better person in a healthy manner in a more self-caring manner so when i say that i was bulimic sometimes you see fitness YouTubers, which I love when they do it. Like, not that they should be doing this because again, it's such a personal matter to them. When they share their stories, it's so relatable and it's so eye-opening to the point where it's like, oh, they're human too. They've gone through this kind of bullshit too. And we see them as these seemingly elite humans because they have these amazing bodies and they are sponsored by big name brands in the sports industry and to hear their stories about eating disorders and body image issues even for those who are not professional athletes just to hear anyone's stories where they're being really vulnerable and open about this matter you feel very much less alone and i think that when we hear these stories from someone else uh, the key thing being this coming from someone else not from ourselves it really changes our perspective and our approach to our own situations. Because when we know that, you know, there's probably without a doubt other people who are bulimic, for example, for myself, who are bulimic like me, but without hearing, and I mean, let alone seeing, but just without really hearing from someone else, 
about their experiences with bulimia, I just did not feel any different. No matter the you know positive advice and the the more hopeful kind of um, I don't know what to say, like encouraging words I can think of that I could apply to myself, like saying to myself, "Oh, there's other people out there who are like me. They're struggling with this as well. I'm not alone." Just thinking that just doesn't help because sometimes, or in fact, I would say a lot of times, no matter what the situation is, I feel like hearing other people talk about their situation similar to ours helps us so much for some reason. I don't know the psychology behind it, but hearing and seeing and maybe touching—I mean, whatever—I mean, with our external senses, right? Whatever we can receive externally, that just leaves a more, a, a, just a stronger imprint. On ourselves, right? It, it just does. If you told yourself you're beautiful versus someone else telling you that you're beautiful, I feel like I can guarantee that the the comment from someone else versus yourself is much more profound. And whether or not that would be a good thing or a bad thing, I'm just stating for what it is and from personal experience. But I definitely found that external words of encouragement, you know, external kind of stimulus. Is a much more profound than if I were to give that same stimulus, that same advice, comment, the stories, the positive, encouraging kind of mindset to myself. It just didn't help out. And going back to my sophomore year of、uh, college, when this eating disorder started to begin, I wasn't training at all because I was just so defeated. I just felt like I wasn't an athlete, mainly because I, I was just not looking at myself from an external point of view, but also. But also thinking like, why am I doing this again? Like, what goals am I trying to achieve here? So, when I didn't look at myself externally, I couldn't really see the progress I've made. And you know, of course, looking at myself internally as well. But I feel like the external aspect was what I needed the most because I could tell myself, you know, the internal things like, oh, I am making progress. Oh, I do feel good about this run or this training session. I feel like I am getting stronger. If I don't see it, in a sense. Then I won't believe it, right? If you don't see it, you don't believe it. That kind of situation. Sometimes, oh my goodness, a lot of times, when I would get these grocery coupons for some of the most like very unhealthy snacks, just junk food like chips, a whole cake, even a tub of ice cream and a dozen donuts, I would go to my nearby Safeway. I would get that stuff. I mean, even a box of cereal, and. I would just eat the cereal right out of the bag with a spoon, and I would eat the entire thing because I was just so incredibly hungry. I don't think I was becoming—I wasn't anorexic by making myself starve, but I think just with the foods I ate, right, the broccoli, the chicken breast, the、uh, what else did I eat? I mean, sometimes oatmeal and whatever—just incredibly plain and boring foods and meals. It just made me so hungry and craving. For something sweet and savory was just so strong, and I would just let loose on this. Okay, I'm gonna go buy the chips. I'm gonna go buy the tub of ice cream. I don't care because I need to do this for myself, and that would be like ways for me to, I guess, cope with the fact that I am damaging my body with these unhealthy foods and damaging in that this is becoming a frequent situation. Every weekend or so, I would do this, and it's not good, especially the purging aspect. When you're going to go binge eat or eat something unhealthy, and then you feel guilty about it, 
I knew for a fact, like objectively speaking, purging it back up is not healthy. I even read online that it could lead to throat cancer and that actually scared the shit out of me. I'm like, oh my God, how many times have I purged already? Am I going to develop throat cancer? Granted, I was probably overthinking about that at the time, but I was just scared because my, my dad had cancer. He passed away from it. and Not throat cancer, um, uh, lung cancer, though he never smoked. But still, I was so scared to develop some kind of disease in my throat, and I didn't want to die. Like, I didn't want to damage my body because, remember, the whole point of me, uh, like, keeping up with this boring very just plain food like the you know veggies chicken breasts and all that was for me to retain or at least slow down the regression in my athletic capabilities that was it but the cravings got to me my relationship with food was just bad because now i saw carbs and fats and so many things even proteins as just as like something evil and now I was just dependent on counting calories at this point. Just getting the what I would consider as healthy foods, right? At this point, I didn't really care about macronutrient intake. I was just trying to get healthy foods. And I would just try to determine like how many calories I was eating every day. And that was it. It was so bad. I became so obsessive with the numbers. And I don't know how long this persisted. I know definitely for over a year. And at one point, I started to notice that my mom, every time I went to go visit my mom, she would always point out how skinny I became. And to me, I was like, oh, this is good because I'm trying to lose body fat. And I didn't realize until later on that, dude, I looked skinny. It wasn't that my, you know, my belly or torso area that was like becoming really super skinny. What was more prominent at first was my hands my fingers and my arms. Like I looked at my arms. I don't know what made me realize this way later on, but I just saw how skinny they were, like kind of bony. And they were always cold. And I don't know if that's due to losing muscle mass and the body fat around that area, but I was just cold in my hands all the time. And I was always concerned. I was like, what do I do? Because I, I want to keep losing body fat because there's, you know, I still have a belly. I still have maybe some love handles, even though, to be honest, there wasn't really any. I mean, I was just pinching myself at that point, but still thought that I needed to lose more body fat. But nonetheless, like, I still felt the need to lose that body fat. Yeah, I had certain areas of my body becoming, like, really skinny looking, like, unhealthily skinny, like, becoming anorexic at that point. So I didn't know what to do. <laughs> And then what occurred to me was, okay, what can I do to fix this problem? I just need to go back to eating a healthy diet. And, and what's actually considered as a healthy diet, eating appropriate amount of carbs, fats, and protein. At least do that, right? I don't need to stick to some specific diet like the keto diet, paleo diet, you know, vegetarian, whatever the case may be. Just something I know that's healthy, like eat a good amount, let's say oatmeal for carbs, uh, some white rice, brown or white, some protein. And it doesn't have to be from chicken breast. Fuck that. I mean, no, chicken thighs, pork chops, whatever the case may be. You know, and of course, eat my veggies for the micronutrients, right? Just for the nutritional value. And then I had to wean off 
from the habit of being bulimic. That was the biggest thing that I had to deal with. So in doing that, every day I would just have to be actively aware and actively tell myself to not purge up anything. That whatever I ate is whatever I ate. What happened has happened. There's no need to change it. It's totally fine. And sometimes what can help with this is coming from this from an objective point of view. Because I, I really do approach things methodically and objectively. I do like that objective knowledge. So when I learn more about nutrition, like the sciences behind it, and you know, for example, like this isn't really like hardcore science, but let's say you're on this diet, right, to lose body fat, but then let's say you eat like a whole pizza and a a tub of ice cream over the weekend. And then now you're worrying, oh, I'm gonna get fat, I'm gonna lose all my progress for my fitness journey. Objectively speaking, 100% not the case. All you gotta do, just tomorrow, get back on the wagon with your diet. That's it, just get back on the wagon. That's all, and then if you're having trouble with that, start small. Maybe eat one bowl of greens every day, whatever the case may be, maybe a, a simple salad every day, and then you can grow from there, right? It's about the incremental steps, it's about being active about this as well. That's the more or less the key things here. Being active about this, actively thinking and actively being aware of the habits you want to break and then knowing what you should do to break out of them. So that was what helps me, the objective knowledge, knowing that, hey, it's okay if I eat this, you know, whole box of donuts because that's what I did before. Just get back on tomorrow. Don't let that get to you. Just don't think about it because in this moment, after eating the box of donuts, I feel like shit. But granted, within a couple hours when my body digests that, I'm gonna feel normal, relatively normal. The only thing that will pretty much linger on is just the fact that I ate the box of donuts, right? I don't so much get, have the feeling of the aftermath of eating that box of donuts, if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. But yeah, I would really think about this methodically and objectively, which helped me a lot. It took a while for me to do this. I did. Uh, in a sense, relapse back into becoming bulimic because when I had my cycles of going back to training for triathlons, I would feel really good and I would stop because my mental health also got into the way. My mental health regarding like depression, loneliness, just my lack of having a social life for the most part really demotivated me and really made me think like, why am I doing this again? Like, what's the point? Like, I'm not really training for any races. I'm not even part of any team. Why am I training for triathlons? Like, what's the point? Like for health and fitness? Yeah, I get it, but I could do something else for that, right? So that kind of like logical thinking, again, I, I really depend and am influenced by objective sort of thinkings and uh, just uh, lines of thoughts. So with that logical thinking, that really just persuaded me to just stop. And then I would relapse, right? Oh, in order to slow down the regression of my athletic capabilities and whatever I obtain at this point in my life, I need to slow the regression so that if I do go back, I don't have to start from absolute point zero. So it was a hard journey. And I think what really helped out was truly getting back into fitness and training again. And when I say truly, I don't mean just picking up the running shoes, going out for a run, going out for my swims, going out for a bike ride, weightlifting, stretching, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. They're good, but when I meant by truly getting back into it, I had a goal. I was becoming more passionate about the sport itself. I was enjoying the sport itself. And this didn't really happen until 
I joined my the triathlon team at my college because that was when I really started to train for these races. I had a goal, and these goals for races happened every maybe three or four months or so. But the schedule I was on with the team really helped me focus on and enjoy the training process. But it also made me feel less scared about my about food, about carbohydrates and fats and all that. It actually made me more. It encouraged me to explore food more so, without thinking about oh I'm going to get fat, oh I'm going to you know lose my athletic capabilities, you know whatever aspect that may be、uh, coming from. I was just more curious as to like now that I'm training again full time. What can I do with food that can help me with my training? And that line of thought got me really excited. Oh, let's try out carbo loading, right? Carbo loading, if you don't know what that is, is pretty much where you eat a ton of carbs, like in the days leading up to your race. So I would do that. I would explore certain types of carbohydrates or sources of carbohydrates because, again, there's different sources that can provide you different carbs and. You know that can determine the quality of that carbohydrate pretty much, and then I would explore you know some other diets like the ketogenic diet because when I did still want to lose more body fat, especially around my torso and、uh, belly area for the most part,、uh, I I wanted to just lose that, and that was more for a personal gain, like for me to look better. And I was also thinking, objectively speaking, if I lose more body fat, then I could run faster, right? You're not carrying as much weight, so of course you can move faster. So. I would explore diets like the ketogenic diet, where I would eat and give myself a timeline, like four to six weeks, and that's always what I gave myself for these newer, seemingly just totally different diets, right, relative to what the standard diet is. So I would do that. I would eat my, you know, a high portion of fats, moderate portion of proteins, and a low intake of carbohydrates. And I was really careful about the sources. Again, it's very important where you get your macronutrients from, and that was fun. Another thing that really helped out with my relationship with food was just listening to my body. So now we're going back to that intuitive eating, where based on my training, I wanted to determine how I felt after, a, let's say, a run or a a particular training session, and if I felt like I didn't have energy, I just felt really fatigued. I would know that okay. Now I need to do something about this. What can I do? Oh, let's try out eating more carbs. So one thing I would do actually is I would eat a lot of、uh, what was it? Hummus, hummus with bread. <laughs> and I always bought the the bagel. Oh, actually, it was bagels and hummus. I got the bagels and hummus from our college.、Um, was it food court? I guess like they made the stuff itself. So. I would eat that, like eat two bagels and a whole tub. It wasn't a big tub, but just nonetheless, like a small, maybe eight ounce tub of hummus. <laughs> and I would do that, but man, it felt good to eat that. And I think one of the other important things about improving your relationship with food is finding the healthy versions of junk food, or maybe it's not the healthy version, but just find healthier alternatives. For example, like. Bread isn't、uh, no well. Bread is it can be unhealthy. Like hummus. Like I don't think hummus is really bad. Like I guess it depends on who makes that hummus, right? The the brand itself. But if you make your own hummus at home, it tastes amazing. And if you're worried about carbohydrates, right? You want to decrease that. Cauliflower rice. 
I mean, if you make like Indian rice, but with cauliflower, because that's what I did. Cauliflower rice with the spices, and I cooked it in chicken stock, and then I would have chicken thighs. I take off the chicken skin, or what's it called? The, the, the thigh skin, yeah, and trimmed off the fat, and it tastes amazing. And I would always have some onions and broccoli and some other veggies. It was just, I made food enjoyable. I made it so much more enjoyable to the point where I was like, when I looked at chips, when I look at cake, when I look at just junk food in general, just the unhealthy stuff, I just felt no cravings. And whenever I did have a craving for something savory or sweet, it would always be something that was healthier. And that was something I developed over time. Again, it wasn't like within a few weeks, right? Maybe it wasn't within a few months. It was over time that I developed this. Yeah, because I think the whole point to this is when I had a goal for triathlon training, I not only wanted to train responsibly, I just wanted to also give myself the proper nutrition and feel in order to maximize the gains from my training sessions. And when I focus on the goal of just doing my best in the next race, I did not really focus on, you know, obtaining that shredded physique, right? That body image. I wasn't really ashamed of that anymore because for one, two things actually helped me out with that. One was seeing my teammates. Sometimes you would see people who are athletes, but traditionally they don't look, have that body type, but they're still like beasts. Nonetheless, they're beasting out there. And you're not criticizing them. You're not judging them. You're like, holy shit, I can be an athlete too, right? Because it's like saying like, you don't have to be super skinny or super shredded in order to become an athlete. You just have to look good or not look. <laughs> you just have to like perform your best and enjoy the sport, in my opinion. Just do your best and enjoy the sport, right? Be diligent with your practices and yeah, just do that. And that made me feel a lot more comfortable with my own body type. And as uh, as progress, I even got to the point where I started taking out my shirts during the runs because it was hot and I was sweating and those shirts did not help out, especially with the chafing around my uh, nipple area. It was not fun. So I would just take out my shirts because it was a lot, it felt a lot better <laughs> for my runs. But yeah, it, it was great in that sense. I just also told myself, objectively speaking, if I train, if I do everything properly and I just focus on my training and becoming better in my next races, then eventually I'll develop a more athletic body. It'll just come naturally along the way. It's like a bonus package. It's, it's going to come and I don't need to worry about that. Just focus on my training. And because that's what I want to do and that's what I enjoy doing. So yeah, having that goal again, because I want to emphasize that having a goal that you are wanting to invest time and energy into, but also enjoying at the same time. You don't have to enjoy it all the time, but nonetheless you enjoy it overall, can really help out, can really ground you, I would say, uh, to be more exact. It helps ground you so that you can think about your situations relating to fitness and health, like with your relationship with food and your body image insecurities. It can help you ground you so that you can tackle those situations. And over time, you can develop healthier alternatives and healthier lines of thinking and, you know, mindsets. It's, I can't tell you enough how much, one, having a team and having at least a community whom you're close with can just help ground you, but also having a goal that you are invested in and want to, or that you have enjoyment in as well. 
And it seems like I'm repeating myself a lot and I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but hey, I'm just trying to emphasize what really helped me. Because a lot of times when you hear about this, these stories, you're trying to sometimes, or maybe most of the time, but sometimes at least you're trying to get some information out of them, right? <laughs> Even if the story itself is, is very sad and let's say tragic, but has a good, a good message to it. You want to get some information like, okay, tell, I want to follow what you did, or at least try to apply some version of what you did onto my own situation. So that's what I try to do. I try to emphasize the parts of my story, my experience and opinions so that you can use that however you want to on your own situation, if you want slash need to. But yes, this is a topic, you know, this whole fitness and health thing is something that I want to talk about in future episodes. There's so much to talk about, even what I talk about with today, like with food stuff and body insecurities, there's a lot to still unpack there. This is just, in a sense, I guess like a opener to these kind of topics. And I do hope you enjoy these kind of topics with fitness and health. I mean, whether I'm talking about the, let's say the mental health side of things, or maybe something more fun to talk about, like silly and fun to talk about, like <laughs> race stories, like, you know, where you have to go to the bathroom right before a race and, uh, you know, you want to know what happened and, or maybe how to deal with going number two in this long race. Cause that's happened to me. I really like talking about athletics and fitness and health and all that stuff, like from many perspectives, from many angles and many fields. It's just, it's something I'm very passionate about. And during college, I had this identity crisis sort of situation, like a real one where I felt like, oh, do I really like triathlon training? Do I really like athletics? Or is that just me saying that for the sake of trying to build an image? Like, do I really like this stuff? Like, I don't know anymore because, you know, again, I, when I was falling in and out of training and I had an unhealthy relationship with food and the fact that I never really trained for races or did a race nonetheless for triathlons, I just felt like I didn't truly like triathlon or even just athletics in general. And I was thinking like, I'm just a phony. Like, I'm just trying to be a poser. But no, like I realized now after joining the, my college's triathlon team, I really do love athletics. I really do love this kind of stuff. Heck, I'll even geek out on the gear, on the running shoes. Like, dude, you got those Brooks Ghost? Yo, you're running those Hoka Cliftons? You got those Nike Alpha Flies, the 40 millimeter cushion stack? Whoa, <laughs> let's get into it. But yeah, I am very passionate about this. And I do realize now that this is a lifestyle. This is definitely a lifestyle that I want to keep and just striving for myself personally, right? I don't not strive in the athletic world, right? With everyone else, that would be cool too. You know, it'd be so cool if I could get to the Olympics someday, but uh, man, I don't know. Like I'll, that's actually a nice motivator for me to think like, okay, I'm gonna keep training so that someday I'll get into the Olympics, just someday. But who knows, maybe, who knows? Maybe in 10 years, maybe in a couple years, I'll be uh, at some, some level in my athletic capabilities that can uh, allow me to qualify. But yes, this is not a testament. This is not a statement. This is just, uh, you know, fun thoughts to entertain for myself. But nonetheless, thank you for listening to this episode. 
And if you'd like to support me, follow this podcast, listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can also support me by sharing this with your friends and family who may find this enjoyable, insightful, or simply want to laugh their butts off. And if you'd like to contact me, go ahead, email me, DM me on my social handles, or visit my official input form page where with any of those three platforms, you can drop down those comments, questions, or topics that you'd like me to talk about in future episodes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Have a great West. <laughs> I did it again. I was going to say West instead of rest. Have a great rest of your week. We're going to end this yet again on an awkward note. And I'll talk to you next time this Friday on another Morning Tea episode. Goodbye.